0: My name is Shandy Chernow and you're listening to the Shandyland Podcast. I have a great guest for you today who is the founder of the Allergy Table blog, co-host of the Deserted Podcast, which means she's going to be a fabulous conversationalist and food allergy sufferer. Her name is Linda Way Lewis, and I am so excited for you to be here. Thank you so much, Lindy. I'm so excited to talk to you.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here.
0: All right. So tell me the story how did you discover your food allergies? And you've got quite a list. And then how did that lead you along to start the allergy table?
1: So my food allergy journey starts like pretty much from day one. Well, three months in from day one. but When, when food showed one. up. <laughs> exactly. When yeah. I was starting to eat, <laughs> it just happened. Um, My allergies have changed a lot, but when I first got diagnosed, it was for peanuts, uh, tree nuts, sesame, and egg. And they have changed. I've lost egg, and I've gained quite a few (laughs) allergies since then. Um, Yeah, I grabbed a peanut butter cookie from another child, classic, and um, my mom took it off of me already, but um, I started crying and raised my hand to my eyes and... It just started swelling. It wasn't a full blown anaphylactic reaction, but that's when we got a lot of tests and figured out that I did have anaphylaxis. And then EpiPens showed up and, you know, kind of the rest is history. But actually, through the journey, it was a little bit of, I mean, I think everyone can relate to this. And that's probably why I built my Instagram on it is isolation, I had a lot of isolation growing up. Um, I was—I'm now almost thirty. So thirty years ago, allergies were not a thing, or if they were a thing, it was survival of the fittest. Not many people had them, so why do we have to even focus on them? Why do we? Well, certainly, have to people weren't them?
0: talking about them the way that we do today.
1: The only conversation that I would ever have is just like somebody in the media, which we do have now, but somebody in the media dying from a peanut Mm -hmm. allergy Mm -hmm. or something. Nobody, I've never heard of anyone when I was growing up that had multiple allergies like I do. Um, Never had anyone um, who had multiple allergies living a full life in their adult years, you know, and um, like both of us do exactly and like how so many people do and so many people have this story so many mm-hmm. people have the isolation and never saw anyone living a life full life you know as an adult um so yeah it was it was a struggle and i had a lot of times where i just ate alone um i also am an only i was raised as an only child my brother left Um, the house when I was born he's 15 years older than me so I yeah I grew up alone I grew up with my mum who is a working mum really hard very smart hard-working mum but away a lot um, worked um, in the UN and lots of different things and so I pretty much spent a lot of time eating and being alone and when I was at school the teachers didn't understand my allergies and they did have me sit at a table alone, they wouldn't let me partake even by watching food demonstrations. Um you know, it got easier as I got older and I was able to advocate for myself and able to say, "I can do this, I can do that." And my mom definitely raised me to know exactly what to do <laughs> if I had an anaphylactic reaction or even if I had a small reaction, she just taught me what to do. She taught me how to say no, mm-hmm. um you know, but I definitely realized growing up, um, especially when I got into my 20s, how strange I felt around food, especially around food with other people. I was, and I still do now, I really prefer eating alone because I find it a lot less stressful. I find it a lot less um, anxiety inducing Um, and that is mainly why I started The Allergy Table is to... Try and connect more people who feel the same or felt the same as me, so that I never, I didn't have to feel alone again. Um, and it has done that, and it's incredible. And I've met so many friends and created so many contacts. And yeah, any time I put something out on Instagram or my blog and say, "Does anyone relate?" at least three or f- to ten people message me saying, "Me." me I didn't know anyone else felt that way and yeah that's probably why I'm very open and honest on social media and my blog that can be hard (laughs) as well to be really honest um but I I've always been honest with anyone um in my life um and so it's almost easier than trying to shelter myself online it's almost easier to just share everything Um, there's obviously things I keep (laughs) private, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's also been such an eye opener for me. Um, there's a lot of things that I did that I would never even suggest anyone else doing. I uh, put myself in a lot of risky situations when I was younger. Um, I did a lot of things that I would definitely tell people not to do, but I also have that, um, sense of saying, you know what? like people make mistakes. And, um, I was a teenager, I was in my twenties and I've made mistakes. So, um, that's why I like social media just to show that like we can make mistakes and learn from them.
0: I absolutely love that. So when you want to eat alone, because it's less anxiety inducing, even today, is that driven by a sense of not wanting to be a burden to your companions, or is that driven by a sense of fear of what they might be eating? or maybe something else that I'm not thinking of because I'm sharing apparently what triggers for me when you say that.
1: Yeah, I think the burden thing was a big issue when I was younger, like a big, big issue. Um, I I mean, like anyone, even if you didn't have allergies, I'm sure you can relate the fact that we want to fit in and we want to make sure that like our friends like us and that we actually have friends because when we're in high school or when we're in school, our circle is so small. And if our friends don't like us in those situations, we don't have any friends, (laughs) you know, whereas like as an adult, if a friend doesn't like or doesn't like me or if I don't feel comfortable in a in the company of my friend, I can kind of say I can make another one because I'm in the real world. And there's not that
0: finite group of people like in a school.
1: Exactly. And so I think the burden thing was big um, when I was younger, I think from my blog and from talking to people and meeting people I've realized now that like I don't feel like a burden anymore because of how many people do have allergies and do feel that way I think it's so sad that we'd feel that way and we've all of us have felt that way in the past and I don't want to let other people make me feel that way again and so I force myself to not to take those feelings and say, okay, I feel like a burden, but I know I'm not and change that narrative and say, I can I can do anything I want to do and I don't have to be a burden. But yeah, I definitely have felt that way. But I think from the blog, it's really helped me to try and dispel some of those thoughts I've had in my head. I think I eat a lot alone <laughs> by myself um, now. Because, yeah, I find it very stressful to find somewhere to eat with other people, and I also don't want to eat out a lot, so unless I make it myself, I rarely eat with other people yeah my you've got right?
0: you've got a pretty decent list which we'll talk about yeah um, it's interesting with you talking about the burden thing you're making me kind of dig around in my own brain. I get super annoyed when people make me feel like I'm a burden. Yeah. But at the same time, I always am very afraid that I'm going to feel like I'm being a burden. Yeah. It's like I almost am setting myself up for a can't win there.
1: Yeah, and I <laughs> think know? we all do. We all do though. Like whether you have allergies or not, we all feel like a burden at some point in our lives and we all feel like we don't want to put anybody out. Yeah, and like, exactly. With allergies, we have that more often and heightened because our life is in other people's hands whereas like normally if you don't have allergies it's not your life in their hands it's just like oh you're putting them out it's not a great situation but for us if we're going to a restaurant and we're bringing our allergies with us there our life is in their hands you know like that's not a fun situation to be in Mm -hmm. whatever the case may be right even if I just sit there and drink a glass of wine who knows what the bartender had on their hands like there's just you know you're putting yourself in a situation where you usually will 99% walk out completely fine but that 1% you may not and you don't I have this situation where I think what I go through this time when I eat what if I have a reaction right now and that's usually when I'm a little bit high anxiety but you know even today I was at work and I was eating and something felt wrong like i just like felt and you know any it could be could have been anything but something felt wrong and i go what am i going to do if i am having a reaction and s- will someone have to take me to hospital would i walk to hospital because the hospital is just like is only a few minutes away i could walk there what what would i do and i had to like think through my plan i think that's just so sad that i'm just eating lunch that i made on my own yet i'm thinking what if i have a reaction and then i think I don't want to burden anyone else from having to leave work to take me. Yeah. And that's, that's where it comes in. It's just, it's so ingrained based on years of, not just like years of abuse, years of, you know, malpractice, years of people like not serving me, kicking me out, um, threatening to throw peanuts at me, like, you know, years of people yeah making me feel like a burden and then now I've internalized it and sometimes I have to say like just because you have allergies or just because you're alive you are not a burden and I just have to really try to say that and like to be positive because I know I'm not but sometimes it feels that way and that's sometimes in my mind but based on like my past experiences and yeah It's really sad, and I I wouldn't want anyone else to feel that way, but we all do, and that's.
0: I don't know that I have ever related to as a guest more on this (laughs) show than I do right now. So the other interesting part that I'm not even—I mean, my list of questions out the window, right? Because there's just so (laughs) many interesting things that you're you're saying for me. Um, That moment of something doesn't feel right. Oh God, what if this is a reaction? And that next like 20 minutes or so, where you're trying to figure out is there something wrong? Or is it in my head?
1: Yeah, terrifying. Yeah. But also terrifying. And if somebody looks at you, you'd look completely fine. Yeah, in your it's in your mind, there's so many stories, theories, like, everything goes through your mind. And not you, you're still like, I don't know, for me, for me, I go, I'm still eating while this is happening, because I don't want to be if nothing happens, I still need to finish my meal and go back to work. So I'm kind of like, I'm going through this stuff in my head and no one will know that yeah. I'm thinking about what if I'm going to hospital in the next 10 minutes, you know, and like that, no, nobody has that, you know, you feel that flash of your life when like a car comes towards you or like a bus beeps and you have to pull back from the curb. But imagine feeling that way. 10 times a day or at least three times a day when you're eating a big meal or something but imagine like a snack or you forgot to wash your hands and you touch your face Um, or like you know little tiny things that no one even thinks about but those moments where the car beeps at you that happens that feeling inside of you that happens all the time when people have allergies and no one knows because we just completely blank the face and people like oh why do you have anxiety or why do you have anxious thoughts is because I feel like I'm gonna die multiple times a day yeah I it's it's, it's, yeah people don't understand it
0: it's crazy making I I totally hear you uh and I mean that in the most you know uh layman's way possible but it really does it makes you feel like I I don't know whether you know I feel something or I don't right now right until it turns into something that's you know either visible or kind of past where we want it to turn into, it's, it's hard to tell. You yeah. mentioned, you know, the, this feeling of isolation and you talk about it quite a bit in your blog also, particularly in childhood, you know, we've got that kind of, you have to sit by yourself and eat. And I know that people are, are trying to keep you alive for lack of a better, you know, dramatic way to put that, but they're isolating you. And the worst thing for a kid right, in their own kind of mind is is that, right, to be different, to be alone, to be not like everybody else. Yeah. What are the things that you kind of stand out from when you were little? You know, we talk a lot about bullying and food allergies, but there's this other aspect that, you know, doesn't necessarily get talked about as often.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it was obviously compounded by the fact that I was an only child. And so I did, you know, I I've said this in, as you get older, you kind of like look back at your past or I do at least and um, think about why you do certain things the way that you do them and what has happened to you as in your childhood to make you do what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. I've said this to my mom who, we, you know, we have a really close connection. We, you know, it's just me and my mom my whole life. So I've talked to her about the fact that I felt alone throughout my whole childhood and her mind in her adult brain that she was an adult when I was a child I wasn't alone all the time but in my memories I was alone Mm -hmm. anytime I had food like actually had a meal I felt like I was alone in it I was sitting at the table I have such vivid memories of sitting at The table in school, separate from my friends, seeing all my friends eating and I was alone. And this is like primary school, you know, like. seeing
0: all your friends joking and laughing and talking to each other and interacting.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, then I have memories of, you know, like being outside of the room when they were using food in the classroom, you know. And so I never have any hate to my teachers or anything like that because there was no real knowledge about allergies back then. And I didn't think, I don't think that they could have known what it means because we didn't know what it meant. So it's not about the, the teachers or anything like that. I think now, if that happens again, then they need to be held responsible because that's not okay. But yeah, I think isolating an only child from people, especially during mealtimes. Yeah, it, d- it definitely d- did put a really heavy strain on the, my eating habits. It took a massive strain on like how I related to people, um, how, I f- how I felt about food, genuinely how I felt about food. It wasn't ever going to be a social thing, and it still isn't. I still don't find food social. I find, you know, experiences social, but food never feels like, oh, let's have a party and let's have food. And it just never felt that way. And um, I know that like, that's my own memories and that's not probably like the whole reality, but that's my reality. And that's how I have grown up and that's how I'm an adult. And so the reason I'm this way as an adult is based on my memories and emotions that I felt growing up. And so if that's how I felt growing up, like, if I can feel this way 30 years later, we can't do that to kids. Whether they have allergies or not, we can't isolate kids from other people because they'll never grow up being able to relate to others in the same way. Or they will, but therapy is needed, <laughs> like, you know, I can do.
0: So many people have asked me how I feel about. You know the peanut table at school, or schools eliminating peanuts from school, or you know whatever the case. Is. Sometimes you get tree nuts and peanuts, right? But schools have this serious aversion to peanuts, and I have a peanut allergy, right? So I'm I'm yeah. down with with schools eliminating peanuts, I guess. But I've always been against the allergy table. Yeah. And and the reason I've always given is you're not eliminating all allergies. Like the kids at the allergies allergy table still have to eat. And there's going to be some other kid who's allergic to those things. And so you can't, you can't fix the problem with an allergy table, but I've never really been able to articulate this, what you're talking about, the isolation factor. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, it's awful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's not, I mean, honestly, like, you know, they took out when I was in um, secondary school, they took out Snickers from the um, vending machines and it wasn't even me or my mom to ask them to do it. It was another child but um, they, yeah, I got a lot of bullying and slack for that because they, I took away, technically, I had the allergy and I was more vocal about it than the other kid. And apparently I took away their only treat or I took away this. And, you know, I don't know what I would have said um, now, but I think isolating that, like, you know, I, they're doing it because of us. As even as you know, a teenager is not okay, you know, and making us a scapegoat and making it mean that I'm being bullied because they took it something, but you know what? They took away a lot of um sweets, but because a lot of people had Snickers, like I was the one that could be blamed, yeah, and that isolation was hard too, and that that forced me to feel like I was a burden as well, like it all ties back into it, and so. Now, anytime someone brings something that I'm allergic to, I want to say, please don't eat that. But I have this memory of school mm-hmm. going, um, if I tell them not to eat that, they're going to berate me, they're going to bash me, they're going to be, you know, oh, I can eat whatever I want kind of thing. And you get that flashback in your mind going, oh my God, I don't want to tell someone what to do because that's not fair. But I now have this thing with friends, like one one friend brought nuts to a picnic and I said, please don't have it. And she's like, well, I won't touch you. I won't kiss you. They always joke, you know, I won't kiss you. And I was like, I'm not, I don't care about kissing. And I just said to her, because I was very uncomfortable and I just said to her, it's okay if you eat that, but I'm gonna go. And I just, I was like, it's fine if you have what I'm allergic to. Like if that's, if you feel more precious about your nuts, Than you do about the company and talking to me, that's okay. But I'm gonna have to remove myself from the situation. And so I say that a lot in my blog, and I say that a lot on Instagram because I go, you cannot tell people what to do, you cannot tell people what to eat, but you can remove yourself. You can change that environment, you can leave. And not every not everything can. Like if you're on a plane, you can't really jump off the plane because someone's eating nuts, you know, or someone's eating your allergen (laughs) next to you. But you know, in certain situations, you can leave. And we're, I don't know what it is, but like a lot of people have said that, like they're terrified to leave. They're terrified to walk out of a restaurant. They're terrified like- to to be rude. And I have that. I'm scared to be rude because what if, you know, they harm me or, you know, there's so many things that we don't even realize. It's like what normal people find, not normal, but, you know, people who don't have allergies find like normal life that they're scared to like, you know, People not to like them. We have it tenfold because if we, I'm scared that if people don't like me, they might put nuts in my food. Like that's, that's not okay. But like that's how I feel. That's my thoughts, you know? And so I've had to really push those thoughts down and go, it's okay. I just can go. I can go out. I can leave anywhere. And having that feeling saying, I can go and I can leave this party allows me to be like, no, tell them, because I doubt they'll want you to leave. So just tell them, please, can you put the nuts away? And most, like 99% of them do, right? And if yeah. the 1% Even don't, just go. So, yeah, you just go. Like, just leave. And, and the
0: and 1% are telling you exactly how they feel, right? So Yeah,
1: and they don't want you there. If they don't want to put the nuts away, they don't want you there anyway, so why would you stay? But I think that that's an, an adult mindset. And when I was a kid, I never left the party,
0: Well, in in today's news, kind of like water is wet, I'm still working on having an adult mindset and I'm much older than you are. And uh, I congratulate you. I absolutely adore you. And I I seriously relate to so many things that you're telling me. I think it is amazing. But I want to make sure that we cover off some of the other things that are are going on on the Allergy Table blog because Mm -hmm. your site is amazing. And one of the things that you do that is totally outside of my purview, I am the worst. The worst at this, you meal prep. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't know whether you do it from an allergy perspective or if you do it because you want to, you know, maintain a particular, you know, caloric or dietary outside of allergies, you know, set of restrictions. I struggle more than anything else about my allergies. Well, I struggle with a bunch of stuff with my allergies, but I feel like I can't restrict myself in any other way because I'm restricted with my allergies. And so therefore I can't diet. And here I am after COVID, like 20 pounds heavier. Yep. And I'm like, but I'm going to eat that burger because this chef's willing to cook it for me. Yep. How do you do it? Help?
1: I feel this all same. to be better humans. No, I feel the exact same. Like I have that, like if I, because I can't like go out and have a slice of cake. So if I bake the cake, I'm going to eat the whole cake because I can eat it. You know, like I have that too. <laughs> Um, so I don't eat the cake. <laughs> I don't bake the cake, so I don't eat the cake. Um, but like I eat the cake anyway. Um, yeah, I don't know. I started meal prepping like avidly. I think my mum was always a meal prepper. She, apparently she meal prepped when she was my age as well for like fitness. And um then I meal prepped when I was a nanny and I was living in with my family and I was going home on the weekends and I The house was, they said that they wouldn't put nuts out when I was working there. But on the weekends, the kids were allowed peanut butter and they were eating sesame oil and things like that. So I wasn't safe. I didn't feel safe enough to cook. And I worked there for five years, not live in, but I worked there for five years. I still never felt safe enough to cook for myself. So I used to meal prep at the weekends. I meal prep, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and brought it all down on Sunday. And so I had it for the whole week for five days. And then I went home and I had food and then I meal prepped every Sunday. And it was like a routine for like almost a year.
0: Wow. Um,
1: and it just pushed me into how to make food taste good in a Tupperware because the, <laughs> first, the first few weeks was awful. I threw away a lot of meals because they tasted very bland and... I've been doing it for six years now. It's different. Every time it's different, you know, every year it's different based on jobs and things like that. So right now I food prep. So I put, I make vegetables and potatoes and things like that. And I put them in separate Tupperwares and then I can add what I like in my meals. Um, sometimes I make all meals. Sometimes I make just lunch. Like it, it's very dependent on who, where I am in my life at the minute. Um, I did do it as well for dieting like a few years ago because I thought that would be easy it wasn't because really boring like just eating meal prep all the time is really boring so I don't do that now I make and then I I leave the
0: meal prep in the fridge and don't eat it because I don't want it
1: It also saves a lot of money so yeah but that helped me a lot like especially being a nanny and you know keeping my pennies close it helped it helped a lot Um, but food prepping, I think if you don't like the meals and you keep them in your fridge, I think food prepping is the best because you just make the food separately and then just leave them in separate containers. And then you can add it to, you know, I add like vegetables to my pasta when I make pasta alone or I, so it's just like so easy because they're already cut, they're already cooked. And so you can just add them to things rather than this is the meal and you have to eat this meal. Um, and that's or like a, a
0: swing by the fridge for some snacks kind of stuff too
1: exactly like it can even like cut up, it's like a cut step up down
0: prepping. to meal prepping
1: yeah exactly and it's also just a lot easier and it tastes better and um yeah and like I make fish and I make chicken and things like that and I can just add them if I want to add them so I think food prepping is the best if you don't want to eat a meal definitely food prepping is like the healthier and cheaper way to go
0: all right. So little miss, I don't bake the cake, so I won't eat the cake, has an obsession with the great British bake-off and totally <laughs> bakes the cakes and eat the cakes. So tell me yeah. about that. How did this start? Yeah. Right, I, th- I was not expecting this. There's a whole section on your blog called GBBO and all me all like stupid <laughs> and whatnot. I'm like, what's GBBO? And I click on it and I'm, aha, great British bake-off. Yeah. What's
1: yeah, up I, with this? I mean, if no one hears it from my accent because everyone says i'm an american accent i have an american accent i am british and i live in london and so um you do not for the record have an american accent i am british and i live in london
0: it is not american <laughs> and it is adorable <laughs> and awesome and i love it
1: um yeah so like we have the great british bake off which i think that you have the great british mm-hmm. show or something like that um which is the same thing but we yeah i I'm obsessed with baking, have done for many years, but never thought, like I was never trying to be good at it. I just liked cake and I couldn't eat cake outside of the house. So I would just make a cake or, you know, make a cookie or something like that so that I could have a cookie and have a cake. Um, And then I had a stroke um, in 2016 and I really, I still wanted to cook, but my, my right hand was semi-paralyzed after it, so the biggest thing that it was, literally it was August, and the Great British Bake Off starts in like September, fall time, and that was the time that I could, I was starting to get back into the kitchen, and so I decided to bake along with the Great British Bake Off, and to learn how to bake things, and how to bake different things, and you know, baking things I would never have eaten because they contained almond flour or they contained, you know, just different things that I couldn't eat. And so I started doing that and it opened up a whole new world of baking for me. And then pretty much every single year I just bake along with the Bake Off and I post it on my blog and my Instagram. And it's just, it is for me A fun thing and to remember why I love baking but also to to remember that it really did save my life and I do have a blog about that um Mm -hmm. about how the Bake Off saved my saved my life and it saved my joy of life I think because I was at the point where I thought I'd never cook again um and so yeah that really did help and just watching it and I watched it with my grandpa and my mom and it was just like that the Bake off is just like such a family show and it just brings the it really does bring the nation together and America is now joining the club so I love it um yeah and I think it's just so it was just so important to me and now it's been what is going to be the fifth year this year and I'm still doing it every year and I I I get better and better. Like if I do say (laughs) so myself, I get better and better. If I could maybe show you the fails that I had like the first year versus now. Yeah, my food gets better and better. And I think like that's a testament to the Bake Off and how they like just show cooking and how amateurs cook. And yeah, it's incredible. The people on the show are incredible.
0: (laughs) I think you should have some of them on your podcast.
1: Yeah, I should. There's one, there's actually a woman who was on the bake-off and she had a nut allergy. And they never really shared that she had a nut allergy. But she's now really popular on Instagram. And she does a lot of like allergy shows and talks and stuff. And I love that. So um, yeah, I'm very happy that like, there was at least one person. And then last year, there was um, a gluten-free baker as well. So I think like, we're coming... We're getting more and more of the awareness. Yeah, exactly.
0: So you have a podcast, you co-host it in the best name ever called Deserted. Yeah, yeah. It's a very, very (laughs) cool premise. How did you come up with it and tell everybody all about it and where they can listen to it and all that stuff?
1: Yeah, so um obviously during the pandemic like we weren't allowed to meet new people, everything and there was a lot more people that I don't know if you saw that but a lot more people went on Instagram and started allergy like mm-hmm. Instagrams. And so there was a lot more influx of people talking and chatting and I met this one person called Grace and we were talking and I started doing like allergy events on Zoom to try and meet new people and to connect to people who were online. So that there wasn't just like a page; it was like people, um, and that's pretty much why I started the blog in the first place. And she was one of them, and she came to the events and stuff. And then we were talking about how we wanted to do maybe record the events and make it a podcast. And I, I th- it was a cool idea, but we couldn't really make it work you know the schedules were off and everything and then we just thought why don't we make a podcast (laughs) and we were still like I was living in Ireland at the time and she was in London so we still had never met so we decided to make a podcast and we didn't know what it was going to be we didn't know whether it was going to be allergy related or not but then we thought there's a show called um, the Desert Island Discs in um, the UK which is about people celebrities bring six um songs that they would bring to a desert island that would last them their whole life and they would play over and over again and we just thought we were so positive around food both of us love food both of us even with our allergies because she has multiple food allergies as well we just still love food whether it's with people or not we just love it and so we're like why don't we do a podcast where it show showcases the positivity around food even with food allergies even with restrictions so we decided to kind of do the desert island podcast but with food and so we asked our guests to bring five dishes that they would bring to a desert island and we asked them to bring a cookbook and um, a kitchen equipment and an ingredient and they was that they could have and then we asked them what um if like a a wave washed all of the dishes away, but one, what would you keep? And it just, we really wanted to showcase how like the, the childhood and the past experiences really do affect your life and affect how you are and who you are and how food really does encompass you and a lot of people bring like their family dishes or a lot of people bring their comfort foods or the foods that they would have but unfortunately they're still they're allergic to them now but they bring them to the island already you know so I find um it's just really beautiful just talking about food and it's not just about oh allergies and like what do you like you know about your life it's just more like we're just talking and just really enjoying food and yeah, we just love it. And me and Grace I just love, love talking about food.
0: <laughs> I think it's such a great idea. It's so cool. So so tell everybody where they can find you on your blog, on Instagram, on the podcast, all that stuff online.
1: Yeah, so the blog is theallergytable.co.uk. And then it's the table on Instagram and um deserted is deserted underscore underscore podcast um and yeah you can find it on Spotify you can find it on Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts I guess where you can find all of your podcasts but yeah um yeah that's that's Perfect. pretty much it, yeah.
0: <laughs> so then I like to wrap all of these up with two truths and a lie. And I cannot wait to hear yours because again, I, I don't know that I've ever related to another allergy human as much as I have related to you on in this conversation. So I have a feeling you're going to steal your two truths and a lie right out of my life. Lindy, take it away. Don't tell them which one's not true. I always say that, don't tell them.
1: Yeah, so um, I have been married and had a divorce. I have traveled to 15 countries and I am a bartender at a major company.
0: All right, perfect, I love it. (laughs) Lindy Lewis, thank you so much for being here. This has been amazing. Thank you for opening up so much. Listeners, as always, this has been the Shandyland Podcast. Thank you so much for sticking around and we will talk to you soon.